Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. This is the Georgine Rice Show. My name is Mike Lee, filling in for Georgine, and I'm happy to serve as Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, now on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860 The Answer, KPAM, La Patrona 1640, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'm also truly grateful to host our ministry spotlight program, Difference Makers, airing at 1 p.m. Fridays and Saturdays on True Talk 800, and also Saturday afternoons at 1 on 93.9 KPDQ. I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, becoming more known as an authority in your field, and getting publicized on the radio, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, getting your message directly to your target audience through the powerful online tools of Salem Surround, and most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. One of the things I love best about my job is the ability to connect with others. And thanks to my pal Crystal Thornton from 104.1 The Fish, my newest friend is Rachel Prophet, who is the founder of a couple of ministries. One is the Heart's Desire Ministry, and the other is called Selavi Ministry, which is spelled S-E-L-A-H, as in Selah, get it? V-V-I-E ministry. So welcome, Rachel Prophet. How are you today? Hi, Mike. Thank you. I am excellent. It is sunny and warm and absolutely wonderful, so I'm doing great. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to record this interview remotely because you are nowhere near Portland. So (laughs) tell me where you're recording this interview from at this moment. I get to be in my home. We live off of a forest service road, so I am tucked away into the trees, and I have a gorgeous view of the mountains and um, completely blue sky right now. So I'm just off the Oregon coast outside of Lincoln City. I love that area. And you know, it's so Mm -hmm. therapeutic to be near the ocean. I miss that. Yes. Yes. It's beautiful. Can you give us your elevator pitch, please, Rachel Prophet? <laughs> what exactly is Heart's Desire Ministry? How did you stumble into my pal, Crystal Thornton? And what's the big picture? Oh, my goodness. Some big questions right there. Well, I was invited to speak by my good friend, Sandy Cruz. She puts on fundraisers and events and large worship nights. And so I was very honored to be one of two speakers for this evening, and it was called Common Ground. And it was a night to bring people together, whether, you know, believers, non-believers, whatnot, but just to come in. And I was able to actually have a table set up for my ministry, for Heart's Desire Ministry. So I was up on stage, I was speaking just real quickly, but how the Lord has healed me in my life through very difficult, painful places of loss and grief. And the table itself 
has this whole setup of very beautiful handmade necklaces that I that I work on often. I put together keys, necklaces, key chains, and whatnot. I also have shirts, two different styles, and one says, I desire him. And on the back it says, and he desires me, which is just truth. And then the other one says, the key, which is a picture of a key, the key to my heart is Jesus. Because he unlocks so many wonderful things and lets you just step into freedom. But Heart's Desire Ministry, it was actually born, I guess, out of a, a place of deep, deep loss. I have lost three out of my five children. So three of them are in heaven. And the Lord, when he said, I want you to start this ministry, Heart's Desire Ministry, with the keys. It's a tangible piece that you get to wear or even, you know, have on your key ring or maybe a bag. But it's a living promise because on the tag for the keys, it says Jesus is the key to heaven. And I say that because when three of my children are now really in heaven, I get when it's my time to go home, I finally get to be with my children because they are in heaven. And the way that I am able to get to heaven is only through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is my key to heaven. My very first baby girl, her, her name is Mariah Serene. She was stillborn at nine months. And so I knew for about six days the outcome that my husband and I were going to endure of knowing she was not alive when she was going to be born. And so I held her inside for those six days until labor was really happening and active and going on. And um, I, I gave birth to her. And it's just the perfect word that everything just absolutely became still. And during that time, I really made a promise to her. And I said, Mariah Serene, I promise you that I will never shy away from God because I know where you are at. And I have to get to you. Like, I, I will be where you are at because I know God is the God of the living and not the God of the dead. And so I made her that promise, and I've tried very, very hard to keep that promise. That doesn't mean that I wasn't angry with God or didn't talk to Him for quite some time. And, you know, it's so hard to navigate your way through deep grieving and loss and being empty-handed or, you know, an empty womb and wanting something so badly and then being left empty-handed. That is so terrible and heartbreaking, but the Lord himself is so gracious, kind, and faithful, and full of mercy. And so when he asked me, I want you to start this ministry, these keys, I am able to send them out to families, to mothers, anyone that has lost a child, a family member, 
a great grandchild even, um, people will email me and say, we have just been through this horrific loss, or we don't know what to do, or I have a friend who who just um, ended up miscarrying at 18 weeks along, and I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do for her um, and the family. Can I please have some keys? Because this brings hope with a living promise of, I can't bring your child back or your loved one back but really, Jesus is the key to heaven. And through him, you get to go there as well. And you will see your child. You will see your loved one again, you know, at, at any age. And the response that I have received back from people is overwhelming, absolutely in the best way. Like, wow, this came at the exact right moment. I thought everyone forgot about my baby or about my child. Or about my spouse, even any loved one. I can't talk about them or I can't say their name or whatnot. You know, all of these thoughts um, come out of people's minds and their hearts. And, um, you know, grief does a lot of crazy things. But the response of like, wow, I thought you all forgot, but you didn't. And I received this key and I love it or I wear it all of the time or um, I just have it on my key ring. And guess what? Someone stopped me at the grocery store and they saw it. And now it's a conversation piece. Like, wow, Jesus is the key to heaven. I really like that. It's very shiny. It's very pretty. Or you're a believer too. Yes, I am. You know, and it just opens up that conversation to have those real moments, those real life moments of, Hey, me too. I've lost somebody or I miscarried or I actually am a mother of five, but I really only have two in my arms, you know? And so I met Crystal at this night at Common Ground and she looked at this table and she's like, girl, are you kidding me? I love this. We need so much more of this. And it's just those tangible items to be able like, I don't have any words, but I see you, I hear you, and here you go. You know, like she said, you know, giving out hope and encouragement is, I mean, what it's about. That's how lives can be changed, even by just a simple gift. You know, and I was like, wow, Crystal, thank you so much. Like, I I appreciate that greatly. So yeah, and now here we are with this connection. And I love it. It's unnatural to lose a child. Mm -hmm. But Rachel Prophet has founded Heart's Desire Ministry and brings stories of encouragement and of hope, and the fact that things do get better, thanks to Jesus Christ. So when we return, more great wisdom and insights from Rachel Prophet next. I'm Mike Lee, and this is The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee filling in. Follow Rachel Prophet on Facebook, and you could follow Heart's Desire Ministry and Sela V Ministry on Instagram. Rachel, thanks so much for sharing your story. Despite being a successful public speaker, there have to be some days where it's tougher to share about your pain than other days. So was there a point when you had discovered before Mariah's passing in your womb Mm-hmm. that God just brought you a peace? Was it a, a gradual process for you and your husband and your family or what? 
Oh my goodness. Yes. We are all in process. Absolutely. It was not just, oh, all right. Well, here's my outcome and this is just it. No, it was severe um, sadness, depression, longing, anger. I mean, I guarantee you, I cried every single day for an entire year straight. I mean, it was more than likely much longer than that. But the more you love, the more you hurt, you know, and everybody and their mother had their opinions and their words that they would love to share that really did not make anything better at all. Um, And so, you know, you, you have to choose. You always have a choice to exercise grace to these people or individuals, you know, that are in your circle of influence or life um, that want to say certain things to you. Like, you know, just please be quiet. Shut your mouth. That doesn't make it better. Um, But just being with me or with us, that's helpful. You know, just like having their presence there is good. But no, the my goodness, I I am a doula. Side note, doula for about 14 years now. And, and I say this because while I was pregnant with Mariah, um, my sister-in-law was pregnant actually at the very same time with my niece. And I flew over to South Carolina. This is where she was born. Um, from Oregon to South Carolina, one month later after losing Mariah, And I helped my sister-in-law have her baby girl who was very beautiful, very much alive, cried, opened her eyes, took a breath, you know, and I, um, after that experience, I did have to leave, of course, and I went down to um, a river, it's called the Ashley River, and I hadn't talked to God like that entire time since late February when we found out my outcome because I was so angry. I was so scared of certain words that were going to come out of my mouth, (laughs) cursing or whatnot. And I'm like, God is holy and I am not. I probably shouldn't even talk to him. And I also was believing a lie that he couldn't relate. Like he couldn't understand what I was going through or how I was feeling And so when I took that walk down to the Ashley River, there was a bench down there that I sat on. No one else was outside, which I'm grateful for now. And something really just kind of um, broke and I was screaming at him. I was really so angry and screaming at God and saying to him, I actually said, you're not a mother. Like you don't even know how this feels. You know, like how are you supposed to even relate to me? How am I supposed to bring this to you? You're not a mom. You know, like you don't carry, (laughs) carry a baby and, and give birth and all of this. Oh my gosh. Like, are you kidding me? Why would I even say that? But that's just what was on my heart. And I finally was able to scream that out at him. And Mike, you know, it was incredible because at that same time, when I finally spoke to him, It was as if he was sitting right next to me on that park bench. And I heard him so clear, but so tender and and gentle. And he said to me, I am the father of everything. I am the father of all. And I do know exactly what it feels like to lose a child. In fact, I sent my one and only And he did die, but he is alive 
again. Mike, it absolutely wrecked me in the best way because at that moment, the Lord taught me, oh my goodness, you are absolutely so relatable and you do understand and you you feel what I feel. You have lost a child. He did die and he is alive again. My child, my children, they, they have died and yet they are alive. They are more alive than you and I are right now today and I will go to them. They won't come back to me, but I will go to them. And that is a true living word promise from the Lord to me. And that is what I hold on to. And my husband and I, we used to talk all the time about being on this roller coaster of hope, right? They go up, they go down, they go in a loop, they go upside down. They, they make you feel so nauseous. They make you feel so giddy. But this roller coaster of hope of like, is there any hope left to try again and have other children? And oh my God, is this going to happen every time? Am I going to choose to have hope to have um, another baby in my womb? And do I, am I able to carry full term? You know, he or she, when, when they are born, like, do I just get a moment with them? Do I get years with them? Is it going to be the same outcome? Like, there's so much to wrestle with. And yet, to have a choice to choose, like, I just have to choose to hold on to faith and hope. Because the Lord himself says, be fruitful and multiply, right? And every child comes from him anyways, and they are blessings. And so it's like the Lord himself is the only one that opens and closes a womb. And it's like, all right, well, my hands are up in the air. And I just surrender because, I mean, you are the life giver. You know, and I'm not in control of anything. And, and that can make you angry too, you know, like just not having control or any sort of answers, right? Like if I lean on my own understanding, only these certain answers are coming, right? But if I choose to lean on the Lord and even surrender my sense of understanding or receiving answers or straight up not receiving answers, that's difficult as well. But that really is called faith and it takes so much strength to choose faith and to choose hope and to lean on him. You know, um, I, I was yelling at him another time. I mean, I'm just real before the Lord um, because that's what he wants anyways. You know, that he desires that to have a deep, real one-on-one relationship, no matter what you have to say, no matter any words that are going to be coming out, he can handle them all. Any word you choose to say or even not say, he already knows it and he can handle it. And he taught me that. I'm so grateful for that. But I was yelling at him again and I was saying in my deep pain and I was weeping uncontrollably. And I said, where are you? Like, you say that you're supposed to be my comforter, but I don't feel comfort at all. You know, where are you? And this moment, because I was actually standing in I I was standing over my daughter's grave and I just, I was so not okay. And when I yelled at him, like, you're supposed to comfort me and I don't feel you at all. Mike, it was as if like the trees kind of parted and this beam of sunlight hit my face. It made me like, it made me gasp. Like, I physically felt that sunlight on my face the moment I said, where are you? 
You're supposed to be my comforter and I don't feel you comforting me at all. And it hit me and it warmed my face. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even make that up. How does this happen? And my husband had just driven up the driveway. He was supposed to be at work that day, but he just couldn't handle work because it was really soon after we had lost Mariah and he came home much early and he didn't even go into the house. He just walked straight up into the backyard, into the garden and held me. And I lost it again. Like, wow, Lord, you use so many things and people to bring comfort and to show like, you do hear me. You do see me. You really do care. Thank you. Right? And so it's this growing, in-process relationship with Him. You really can handle my tears. You really can handle my anger. You can handle any words that come out of my mouth. And yet, you long, you desire to hold me, to heal me, and to comfort me. You know, and, and it is a process to even get into that place of like, Lord... I really need you or I need so much help. I need you to heal this part of my heart and my soul. Like there's a hole there that nothing else can fill. Nothing. So I just, I really need you. It's a journey. It's unnatural to lose a child, Mm -hmm. but Rachel Prophet has founded Heart's Desire Ministry and brings stories of encouragement and of hope and the fact that things do get better thanks to Jesus Christ. So when we return, more great wisdom and insights from Rachel Prophet next. My name is Mike Lee, filling in on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. This is Mike Lee in for Georgine. With the founder of Heart's Desire Ministry and Say La Vie Ministry, and I'll make sure to link up all of the pertinent websites on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. Rachel Prophet, thank you so much for sharing your stories, not only of pain, but also of encouragement. And as a professional doula, I can't even imagine how it must have been so soon after losing your child, Mariah Serene, who is delivered stillborn, to go across country and help deliver your sister-in-law's baby. There's a bunch of us at the office who have gone through loss of children like yourself. And it's like the, the club that nobody wants to be a part of. But once you're in it, somehow you're able to relate to each other and lift up each other and everyone grieves differently but in your case you were able to find hope through Christ and can you tell us how it affected your husband oh lord that's a doozy of a question right now (laughs) Um, because absolutely you are correct that we all grieve completely differently Um, I mean Obviously, I'm a woman, and so it's much easier for me to really cry and and just cry all the time or try to process through speaking, you know, just talking things out. My husband has been in many different areas through grieving. He had definitely allowed himself to really 
cry. I mean, his heart was broken just as mine. We would be able to communicate and, and talk. And really, I mean, by the grace of God, we are still married. Thank you, Jesus. The likelihood of a divorce skyrockets between a husband and a wife anytime there is you know, severe loss, whatever that may look like. Um, but thank God we actually are still married. Um, and I do believe that is because of God and also communication and just being able to be with each other and know either you can talk right now or you can't talk right now, but we're just going to hold each other because we are in it together. And so, um, yeah, he, he would build a lot of different things, um, either whether that is like distraction or I just have to try and put my mind on something else. Um, but he's very much more of like, I'm going to create something and then also destroy something like, um, he, he is an incredible man and um, very smart in so many things. He's actually a journeyman electrician, um, but he, he really is a top-notch handyman, you know, like he can just build things and it's beautiful and incredible. Um, and yet for him to, to process or to grieve, needing things to break down, destroy, take apart, build back up, recreate, um, I, I, I believe that's how he processed um, or allowed himself to grieve in, in that way. Um, and yet at the same time, I was actually very grateful to have things to like rip apart with my bare hands, you know, because like you had mentioned, everyone grieves differently. And sometimes it's so beneficial to, you know, say, take a dinner plate and, and just like throw it outside against a tree and, and watch it shatter because that is exactly how you really may, we did, how we felt inside completely shattered into uncountable pieces. Like I can't be even put back together. I can be swept up into a pile because pieces of me became dust, you know, I mean, just completely shattered inside. And so to have those certain things, like I just want to break something so badly. And we had those. And we broke things, not each other, thank God, but other things. Because in this light, it really, it shows what matters and what doesn't. Dishes don't matter. You know, objects do not matter. My house, my car, things, I do not care. That It's not even important to me. Come take it. I'll burn it down myself. I don't matter. You know what I mean? Not that I would, but that is like where your heart is. That's where your soul is because the one thing that you so long for and desire and love the most, you don't have, you know? So yeah, it's, you know, many different ways that my husband and I try and process grief. I think that's important, Rachel. And thank you for sharing the statistic, the fact that the loss of a child is often a huge obstacle and wedge between spouses. So are you more outgoing and is he more introverted? I'm just taking a guess here. 
<laughs> uh, yes, yes, you got that. Absolutely. I mean, he'll go out, he'll do many things with me, of course. But yeah, he's also really good to just stay at home. Well, praise God that your marriage is still intact after yes. the loss of children. So mm-hmm. are there certain ways that you and your husband were successful in communicating to each other if you needed, say, more space or more listening or more just sitting there and being or perhaps just holding each other? Yeah, I really think all of the above. Everything you just listed. Um, you know, there are moments where, you know, years ago, I would look at him and, and say, I'm really sorry if I say anything that hurts your feelings, but I just have to say this right now. I just have to say it out loud. I might be speaking to you, but I'm not actually talking like to you. I just have to say it. I just have to get it out, you know? And so, um, in those moments, cause not every moment started like that, but in those moments when I was able to like, I just have to say this, you know, he would be able to receive it or just hear it, but not take it. Um, like as I'm uh, attacking him, he, he really was able to just like, okay, I'm here for you. I need to listen to whatever, you know, you have to get off your chest right now. And he was very good at that, you know? Um, and then yes, other times it's just like, I already know what you're thinking and what you're feeling because it's the exact same thing for me. And so in those moments, you're like, we don't even have to talk. We just sit right next to each other, front porch, couch, whatever, wherever we're at. Or just like silently kind of hold each other's hands. Like, yeah, me too. <sighs> okay. All right. You know, and it's like, we're one flesh. I mean, we, we are connected. And so we're able to just kind of share that. And um, I'm so grateful, you know. And then, yes, there, there are those times too where it's like, you're having a really good day or I'm having a really bad day. And we give each other space. Like, it's okay that you're super angry or frustrated or just crying, you know, whatever it may be, feel it. It's all right. Go through it. And it's almost like when the other one is having a good day, like that's the brace, you know, like you get to just hold me up. Thank you. Because it usually then switches, right? Oh, now I'm having a good day and you're having a really rough time today, you know, and you just extend grace for each other. So... I mean, it's like he can't do anything for me to bring our children back. And it's the same for me, you know, but we choose to just embrace each other and hold each other up and really support each other. So I I love that. I'm grateful. What a tough load to haul for the two of you, Rachel. Mm -hmm. I don't imagine you would have thought that God would have brought you to this place with the loss of multiple children. So can you swing back the clock and tell us where you met your husband in the first place? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I met my husband. Actually, Um, I was living in California at the time with my mom and I came up to visit my dad who lived in Oregon. And I had a friend at the time and she was having a birthday party. Um, sweet 16, maybe 15 or so. Anyways, I was 16. And so I go to her party and it's themed hula party. And so I have a hula skirt on, you know, and, um, 
you know, just dressed in really fun, bright colors. And she has all these little cousins around her and me now. And, and we're dancing and whatnot. And, and so he happened to be at the same place. And uh, he actually ended up telling me, he goes, I thought you were a mom because you had all these little kids dancing around you. I'm like, I'm only 16. Like, how old do you think I look? You know, <laughs> do I look old? And of course, you know, that wasn't the case. He's just, you know, 18 himself and like, oh, well, she's pretty cute, but she's probably a mom because all these little kids are around her. So we met at a birthday party and I was dancing in a hula skirt, just having a really good time. And, um, and then, you know, life happened and I no longer lived in California. And I actually, my brother and I, we moved up to Oregon, uh, with my dad and we ended up going to school. And I also met my husband's uh, sister. He has two, but I met the one who happened to be the one that I flew over to South Carolina to help have her baby. Um, we went to school together. And so we started being friends and hanging out and all that. And then, you know, her brother was always around too. And he's, he's pretty hot. He's, he's a very good looking, attractive man, you know, and he's mine. And so I'm grateful, <laughs> but yeah, we met like 16 and 18 and then just had a long standing friendship and then eventually started dating and just doing life together. Great stories from the founder of Heart's Desire Ministry and Say La Vie Ministry. Make sure to follow Rachel Prophet on Facebook, and you could follow Heart's Desire Ministry and Say La Vie Ministry on Instagram. More with Rachel next. Pinch it in for Georgine. I'm Mike Lee on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Thanks for joining us all on The Georgine Rice Show. Georgine has the day off. My name is Mike Lee, and admittedly, I like the feeling of being liked. I like sharing stories that make people smile or that make people laugh. But sometimes we have to talk about tougher topics. And today, Rachel Prophet, who is the founder of Heart's Desire Ministry and C'est La Vie Ministry, has been gracious enough to share her story as a mom who has lost three of her five children to heaven and dealing with it and growing with it and making sure that she and her husband communicated well enough that despite all that they've been through, their marriage is intact. And these things aren't easy. When we're 16 or 18 years old, when the butterflies are in our stomach, when our heart's beating faster, when you see that cute person who eventually becomes your significant other. We didn't sign up for the rest of this. We didn't expect it. And after marriage, sometimes people have difficulty getting pregnant at all. But one of the more unnatural things I think that anyone can go through is to have and lose a child. So Rachel, I just want to thank you and your husband and Heart's Desire Ministry so much for sharing hope with people through the hardest of circumstances. So I want to ask you this. Are there things that people told you mm-hmm. that brought you comfort and peace and encouragement? Or were they just there? For instance, Rick Warren of Saddleback Church, Purpose Driven Life, he and his wife, Kay, lost a son. And mm-hmm. in, in his words, his suggestion would be, show up and shut up. Mm-hmm. And he said this mm-hmm. caringly, that the innermost circle of the Warrens family, they just came over and brought food with them and they didn't try to fix things Mm -hmm. or do anything. They just spent time. So 
What words of encouragement were you given? What did people do for you in your times of loss that really helped? Well, I agree with what you just said. <laughs> Show up and just shut up in, in a loving manner. That really is the best thing. I had some um, close girlfriends of mine. Um, one in particular would just come over and sit on my couch. She wouldn't speak, really. I mean, she would look at me. She would acknowledge me. Of course, she would give me a hug. But she just came over and she just sat on my couch. And it gave this sense of like, I am not alone. And you, on purpose, are willing to sit in this with me, with us, my husband and I. And your presence is just there. So I'm not alone. You're on my couch. You know you have nothing to say to make it better. And she was just quiet the whole time. She would allow me to cry. She would allow me to yell. She would, you know, whatever I needed to do, she was just there. And that brought comfort. She needed nothing from me. And I didn't need anything from her. She was just there. And I was extremely grateful. My other friend, she would just come in and she wouldn't ask me, honey, what can I do for you? Honey, where can I help? What do you need? I cannot answer you with what I need. I need one thing and you can't bring it to me. So nothing. Not, I, I care about nothing else. And so she knew that and she would just come in. My goodness, she would do any and all dishes that she would ever see in my sink or on my counters. She would fold every single piece of laundry and then start the washer and dryer and she would fold it she would either just like put it on my bed or she would just, you know, do the best she knew to do and put it away or hang it up or whatever. Those like just I'm going to serve you in the way that I know how to serve you. And it's folding a mountain of laundry or whatever the case may be. I'm going to sweep your floors and wipe down your table. That like that was so loving and kind for me because Am I capable of folding laundry? Sure. Do I care? Not one bit. I do not care about laundry. I do not care about dinner. Um, I, I don't care about dishes. Nothing. And they just came in and were here. They brought in food, hot food even. Like I didn't even have to put it in the oven. Like that was too much for me at that time. You know, so those like physical acts of service, those were like monumental, you know, and I obviously like I remember those. I cherish those in my heart, you know, and then, yeah, people would say, you know, either face to face or phone call text. I received like uncountable amounts of cards and letters and whatnot. Um, people actually sharing their you know, um, testimonies or their life experiences with me either. I never even told anybody, but my husband and I, we also lost a child or we had a miscarriage or, you know, whatever their story is. Um, they would share that with me in a letter or a card. And so it's like, oh, wow, I feel the most alone I've ever felt before in my life. And yet I'm not. And here's another letter or here's another card saying their story. Like, you had mentioned before, the group that you find yourself in, the, the, the group of loss, it becomes so large. And, and it is upsetting, you know, because 
no one wants to be in that club. But people would come and, and say, you know, your children are alive and you are going to see them. You will. You know, they would just hold me. They would hug me. They'd give me words of encouragement. Like, no matter what, you're still her mother. There isn't another better mother for your child. She's still yours. You still had her or them, you know, that nobody can take that away from you. So those types of words of encouragement were very beneficial or, you know, no matter what, like you cry every single tear that you need to cry out because you love them and, and you don't let anybody put time on you. And I was like, thank you so much for almost like giving me permission, you know, to say like, thanks, but no thanks time. You know, you don't heal me at all. Jesus actually is the one who heals me. But people coming to me saying like, you know, it, it, it's been X amount of days or it's been this long. You should be over this by now. Like, don't you let anybody put a time frame of grieving on you because no one walks in your shoes. You know, so I was so grateful for those comments. Now, other comments never needed to be made. <laughs> Great stories from the founder of Heart's Desire Ministry and Say La Vie Ministry. Follow Rachel Prophet on Facebook, and you could follow Heart's Desire Ministry and Say La Vie Ministry on Instagram. More with Rachel next. Sitting in, I'm Mike Lee, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Sitting in, I'm Mike Lee, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Rachel Prophet is the founder of Heart's Desire Ministry and Say La Vie Ministry. And she and her husband are blessed with two kids on this earth and three in heaven. And Rachel, in fairness to people who perhaps haven't gone through the loss of a birth or of a child, it can be awkward. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't know the right thing to say. So as a result, many people either say the wrong thing out of nervousness or they don't say anything at all because they don't want to take that risk. And sometimes a deafening silence can be even worse than awkwardness. So something that my wife came Mm -hmm. up with from her old church was praying that we could see people through God's eyes and maybe trying to appreciate their intention even Mm -hmm. if their words come out so incredibly wrong. Yes, yes. I would have to purposely choose to exercise grace to individuals that would come up to me and and say the most, you know, awkward or obscure thing. I'm going to choose to have grace for you because this situation that I'm in is also new for you as well, right? Or I know people don't know what to say. Um, you know, a really close friend of mine had actually said to me one time, we were actually in Mariah's garden, like where she is placed. And she's standing next to me and she goes, do you feel like any of your days are getting better? It was exactly two weeks later, two weeks after I lost my very first daughter. And I was kind of shocked and stunned, like two weeks, 
No, my days are not getting better. You know, and it's like, what else do you say, right? Like, um, do you like, are you feeling better at all? Like you doing okay? Like, no, I am not. And I won't be, but I choose to still like have grace and understanding of like, you don't, you don't know what to say. And her defense, really, she had actually never experienced death at all. She still has both of her parents. She still has both sets of grandparents. She has her four kids. She has her husband. And so she was very much unaware of death within her own personal circle. I had a different girlfriend um, that was close to me at the time and actually said to me, you know, maybe this is a good thing. You weren't very big, like your belly itself. You weren't really big. She may have been retarded. There may have been something really wrong with her. And so this is probably better. I was speechless. How on earth do you ever think that statement is going to make me feel better in any sort of way? It did not. Now, if you have those thoughts running through your mind, okay, it's a legit, legitimate thought. Don't ever speak that out loud to me. That is not going to make me feel better. It's not going to heal anything. And I don't want to agree with that. Like, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. Like my body just failed or my body failed my baby or I did something wrong because I didn't get large and in charge I didn't gain however many pounds in pregnancy or, you know, it's better that my child died because there could have been something, you know, uh, mistaken in her brain or her body. I don't receive that. And no, absolutely not. And when she was born, my, my Mariah Serene was the most beautiful baby girl, the most beautiful and nothing was wrong with her. In fact, the reason why she was actually stillborn was she used to dance in my belly all of the time. And I mean, really just dance. And the cord happened to be wrapped around her neck twice. And her arm was caught in the cord, you know, and at 4am one morning, like that movement just stopped. And I actually sat right up in bed and I grabbed my belly and I said out loud, I need you to move. I need you to move right now. Like as a mama, sometimes you just have that intuition that you just know, like, Um, something isn't right. Something is really different, you know? So it wasn't a fault of, of anything, you know, babies are actually born and born alive, wrapped up in their cords all of the time. It just, I just ended up with a different outcome, you know? Rachel Prophet is the founder of Heart's Desire Ministry and Sela V Ministry, And she and her husband are blessed with two kids on this earth and three in heaven. So, Rachel, I just want to thank you for sharing your pain and your experiences, but also your victories and the hope that God has given you throughout this process. So if there were anything on your heart that you would want to share with our audience, both those who have suffered the loss of a child and those who have not, what would that be? Excellent question. I think it would be that God really doesn't miss a thing. He really does see you. 
He hears you. He absolutely knows your pain and what you're going through. And that he is actually closer than your very breath. He really is a God who is with us and has also experienced extreme painful things in this life and also extreme joy in this life. And so I, I know that I personally, I am still alive walking around this earth because of God. And I, I owe him everything. And so I'm grateful that I know I can go to him and that he is so aware and so present in anything that, that I experience or I feel like I've missed out on, you know? And I feel honored actually that he asked me to create both, you know, Heart's Desire and Say Levy Ministry. And so with Heart's Desire, it's as if it would be the Lord Himself, like giving you that living promise, that peace to hold on to. Like, I really am here. And <laughs> when he actually asked me to create this, this ministry, because of course it's for others, it's supposed to go out. He had asked me, I want these keys to be placed in hospitals. So that way any parent that would have to walk out empty handed, because let me tell you, you do not just know how to leave without your child at any age. It would be that peace that you physically get to hold on to. He himself gives you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And that's where your loved one is at. I hold the keys. I'm able to go in there and see them through Jesus, you know? And so when he said, I want these keys to be placed in the hospitals and placed in the hands of parents that would have to walk out empty handed, I was like, oh my gosh, how do you even do this? How do you start that? You know, um, some of the keys are in one hospital already, but, um, I'm, I'm waiting and I'm praying for that door to open for those hospitals to say, I'd love to have this ministry come into our hospital to have that extra peace that we can serve well the people that we are already helping, um, that are hurting. And I don't know, it's just one more uh, tool, I guess, you know, that is able to be used to really help heal hearts. Um, and so I'm, I'm honored and I'm grateful to even just be that tiny little piece, you know, that the Lord has asked, like, just do this. And so in, in obedience, I do. I make them and I send them out and all of that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Just that he is really close. He really is. And even if you feel or think or believe, you know, he doesn't get it, he, he, he won't know. It is just the opposite. I know <laughs> because he's told me, he has shown me, you know. On our way out, Rachel, is there anyone you'd like to say hi to or send a shout out to? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm so grateful for my husband, Stephen Prophet. Um, I really love my two beautiful girls that I'm so grateful that I do get to hold in my arms. And that's my Hannah Jade and my Sayla Joy. Um, I definitely 
want to say, I miss my Mariah Serene, my Seth David, and my Serena Faith. I'm grateful for everyone that is in my life that really loves me and supports me. I'm grateful for Sandy Cruz, for Open Doors of Opportunity. I'm very, very grateful right now for the doors of opportunity that my Lord has opened at New Life Foursquare Christian Church over in Lincoln City. Um, I've got to preach there a handful of times, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm grateful for every woman that um, has ever received uh, a key um, necklace uh, and or received um, sent in an email to me. And also for every woman that has ever said yes to Say Livy Ministry to come together and encourage one another and lift up each other and cherish time together. So I'm just grateful. And we're grateful that you came on the program today. So thank you so much, Rachel Prophet, who preaches. She serves on leadership and in women's ministry. And she's also founded Heart's Desire Ministry and Say Livy Ministry. And all of the pertinent links will be up on the Difference Makers page at TrueTalk 800. So thank you so much again, Rachel Prophet. Thank you, Mike. I'm honored. Coming up next, Men's Roundup. It's back again coming to Camp Tadmore, and that'll be September 9th through the 11th with all the details online at mensroundup.com, which I'll link to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. I'm Mike Lee, and this is The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show Podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee filling in. Our very special guest today is the dad of Eric Fishnaller, who is this year's president of Men's Roundup. It's back again coming to Camp Tadmore. And that'll be September 9th through the 11th with all the details online at mensroundup.com, which I'll link to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. So welcome, Mike Fishnaller. How are you today, sir? Great. I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us and enlighten us about yourself, your faith, your walk, your family, and about this event. Come to Camp Tadmore, September 9th through the 11th. So can you give us the big picture? What exactly is Men's Roundup, Mike? Well, Men's Roundup uh, has been going on for well over 60 years, uh, and it began just as a group of men wanting to get together to grow in their faith and encourage each other and hold each other accountable uh, back in the beginning and has grown into a big event. Um, I guess we might call it a mountaintop experience that a person would come and get blessed with uh, um, singing with other men uh, in in a, an auditorium that just comes alive, I guess is a good way to put it as any um, when you're when you're in there singing with eight hundred, nine hundred, a thousand other men, uh, you just have a completely different feeling uh, about everything. Generally speaking, uh, men's roundup uh, has attracted everywhere from uh, twelve to thirteen hundred men up to even twenty five hundred when we've had key speakers uh, that uh, have a lot more draw. But unfortunately, we didn't have it the last couple of years, and we're really glad to be back. Well, I'm glad that Men's Roundup is back in action. I think that the pandemic has affected adults as well as the youth that we tend to concentrate on when it comes to 
the various effects of not being able to fellowship in person as much as we were used to in the past. So I'm so glad that Men's Roundup is back this year from September 9th through the 11th at Camp Tadmore in Oregon. And your featured guests include speaker Pastor Chad Moore and musician Austin French. So what can you tell us about both of these? Well, uh, you can actually get a better feel for both of them by going to the mensroundup.com website. And uh, there are video clips for both the speaker and the musician. And, you know, frankly, I'm, uh, I'm older, so I'm somewhat deaf. So I don't really pay attention to the music as much as I pay attention to the teaching. And so I know that Pastor Chad Moore uh, is the head pastor of Sun Valley Community Church in Arizona and uh, has a number of messages that are available online on through YouTube or through our Men's Roundup site um, to get a chance to hear him. He really has a great message that he's going to bring on connecting and getting, you know, reconnecting uh, after the what's happened with COVID, I guess is as good a way to put it as any, uh, because we know that we lost that person-to-person connection, even though we were able to uh, get messages via YouTube and, and uh, other means uh, through the websites. It's not the same thing as going to church. It isn't the same thing as being there. Well, that's for sure, Mike. And as a past president of Roundup and as this year's registration chair, what kind of adjustments have you personally had to make coming off of a couple of years without a live in-person men's Roundup? Well, personally, in in terms of getting people to men's Roundup, it's just a matter of encouraging everybody to, you know, get back up on the mountain. The, the nice part about Men's Roundup is it's primarily an, an outdoor event. Uh, the uh, auditorium that I talked about is, um, is compact, but it's still open air. So you're not, it's not like you're in a building with recirculated air, you know, which is where a lot of the problems uh, led with COVID. Um, quite frankly, I'm in Idaho now and uh, not in Oregon. So we have not had the restrictions on, on, churches getting together and meeting face-to-face and in person, even though some people still stay away, the, the majority, I guess, I, are, are back to making sure they get to a Saturday or a Sunday service. Um, the nice part about having the uh, online service available is that if you happen to be out of town or traveling, you can still get the message. You can still keep up with your pastor and your message, uh, but it's always best to be there in person when you can. And so being back up on Men's Roundup, I, I contacted our registration crew and uh, all of the ones that uh, we've had in the past were definitely available and ready to go. I mean, they wanted to be there. Uh, we've wanted to be there the last couple of years and we're glad to be up there serving this year. And uh, so uh, registration typically opens first thing Friday morning or not actually about 10 o'clock Friday morning. And uh, we'll be checking people in all day Friday camping starts uh, on Thursday. So uh, we welcome people to come up and camp, and uh, you can find all all that information on the Men's Roundup website, mensroundup.com, as you mentioned. Well, that's wonderful, Mike. I'm so glad to see your return to Camp Tadmore in Lebanon, Oregon, for Men's Roundup. And can you tell us about the big picture? Who exactly is the target audience for Men's Roundup? Is it men already established in the church? Is this at all an evangelical event? If you 
had a, a non-Christian brother, friend, or neighbor, or coworker? Uh, actually, yeah, it, it, it is a great event to outreach to. I mean, as you mentioned, if you've got somebody that is interested, that maybe doesn't have that saving faith, that uh, personal connection with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, uh, that person would definitely be welcome, and uh, they would certainly have the opportunity to be blessed by uh, the ministers there, the pastors, and, and other key people that will be ready to help them make that decision of faith. Uh, they don't have to know. All they have to do is have an open heart and be willing to be there. And, uh, and, and we've had a, a lot of people commit or recommit because we all drift away at times. Uh, there's no question that uh, we all have ups and downs in our lives and, and challenges. And uh, we need to uh, stay connected and reconnect if, it all, you know, if we start to drift away. And this is a great event to do that at. Well, that's wonderful, Mike. So living out in Boise, Idaho... You mentioned that some of the COVID-type restrictions have been different. So good for you. Can you tell us, in your neck of the woods in Boise, how has church attendance been? Are numbers back to where they were before pandemic? You know, it, the church I go to, Eagle Christian Church, which is uh, in in the kind of the northwest uh, portion of the Boise metro area, and they also have three other satellite churches that uh, they broadcast to uh, in in different parts of town, in Nampa and Cuna, and also in West Valley or in e- in uh, the eastern part of uh, Boise. And so, uh, th- those those they have expanded and grown during this period of time. And uh, the I don't know if you'd say that attendance is that. I guess the best way to put it, Mike, would be that not everybody's back, but Attendance has grown uh, steadily, uh, you know, through this period of time. As soon as we could start meeting directly and and being together, and so uh, uh, when we moved here in January of last year, uh, we started attending Eagle Christian Church and uh, and and have not missed any time when we've been uh, in town. Uh, it's just an easy thing to do, and when we're, whenever we travel, we're able to keep up on it because it is broadcast and, and available either through YouTube or through the website. Men's Roundup. It's back again coming to Camp Tadmore September 9th through the 11th with all the details online at mensroundup.com, which I'll link to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. My name is Mike Lee, filling in on The Georgian Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. This is Mike Lee in for Georgine. Mike Fishdollar serves as the registration chair of Men's Roundup. So, Mike, if I remembered your story correctly, you moved to Eugene to acquire your master's degree in 1991 at what was then Northwest Christian College. So, what were you studying? Managerial leadership was actually what I was studying, but uh, it was a degree completion program for for my for my gra- undergraduate degree. I, when I graduated from high school, uh, went to uh, initially uh, Central Washington State College up in Washington, and then because I really didn't know what I wanted to do with myself as I grew up, I stayed out of term. Well, that was in 1965. And I don't know if you 
can remember back what was going on in 19 in the late 1960s, but uh, it didn't take very long for me to get drafted and uh, have an opportunity to become part of the United States Army uh, and spend a fair bit of time in a, a place in Southeast Asia. And, uh, you know, it, it, at that point, I, I guess I... I knew who God was, obviously, uh, there's no question, and I, you know, but I didn't have that personal connection with Jesus Christ, but I did, uh, I guess, weigh heavily on some of the Psalms and things like that to encourage me and guide me and keep me from making uh, dumb mistakes, I guess, uh, would be as good a way to put it as any, but uh, that, that degree completion program got me into the scripture. Um, when you were studying leadership, you studied biblical models of leadership. When you were studying uh, um, business law, you were studying what what the Bible said about what was right and wrong, and 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 that sort of thing. I mean, so you were looking at the Ten Commandments, looking at at uh, things like Psalms and Proverbs, and and all of that. And uh, the interesting part was that Eric, who is the current president of Men's Roundup, uh, he and his then girlfriend, who was his wife, uh, Christy, they uh, they were studying. They were doing part of their Bible study at the kitchen table while I was trying to do my homework um, in in another part of the room, and and I'd get stumped on where to find something in the Bible, and and they'd they'd say, "Well, what are you looking for?" And they, then they quickly look in their uh, life application or their study Bible, which I didn't have. I just had a, a, a Bible, but it didn't really have a good uh, a, a good search part of it. And we didn't have search engines in those days, of course. Uh, so anyway, uh, they'd come up with that. Well, it didn't take me very long to find out what kind of a Bible they had. And I had one of those the next day because I had to go down and get it uh, in order to search. So yeah, if, you've, if you've gotten into the Bible before and haven't found what you need, then you need to have either a life application or a study Bible because it will have uh, an index in the back that will give you direction so that if you're depressed, you can go back and see what God says about depression. And if you're, um, you're hurting, you can find out what he says about hurt and healing. And I've, I really found that studying on the one side, I'd find out what, you know, what, what am I, what am I feeling? What, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling uh, threatened or something like that. Well, you want, you want to have hope. You want to go forward. And so I'd always look at, at both the bad and the good, I'd, and I'd end with the good. So uh, if, I was, if I was struggling with something, I'd start with those scriptures that would describe what I was struggling with, and then I would go into the scriptures that would be the, the answer, so to speak, the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And that helped me a lot and, and ultimately uh, helped me become uh, a, follow, a, a full follower of Jesus Christ as my Savior. Tell us about the logistics. How on earth do you run an event accommodating more than a thousand men? Well, it's, it's really interesting to, to uh, take a look at it. The Camp Tadmore, of course, is primarily uh, an event or a youth camp during the summertime. So uh, there are literally hundreds of of kids, if you will, young people that are up there from from uh, middle school and high school, primarily age, that stay overnight. Uh, there are cabins for that they are housed in, along with yurts that have bunks uh, within, you know, in the yurts and in the cabins. 
And so during the summertime, they fill those up with kids. And uh, then there's also RV parking uh, that's that has the full connections and so forth for part of it. But for the men's roundup event, it it greatly expands. Uh, we uh, the churches oftentimes will register or, or uh, apply for a cabin, and that'll accommodate 12, 10, 10 of the men in the cabin plus uh, one leader, one church leader in addition, and. Uh, and then the yurts also accommodate 10. And uh, so, so that accounts for several hundred of the uh, participants. But the rest just go up and camp. And there's a, there is great camping available and uh, shower trailers and so forth that uh, allow the men to, to uh, be able to take care of themselves. Uh, not everyone buys the food package. So there's a basic package that you can get to uh, just attend the event and hear the speakers and the singing and participate in all the sports and, and so forth. Uh, but if you want the full food package, then you get the steak dinner on Saturday night and the chicken dinner on Friday night and great food on all, uh, on all days, you know, morning, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Uh, but if you don't, and your church wants to do uh, what a number of churches do, and that is uh, put together a, a kitchen that serves their men and uh, have their own uh, food and for the event, they can save some money that way and, and also help, uh, I guess, in the fellowship and camaraderie for their, their own church men's group. And uh, so we have a little bit of everything up there. Um, and I, I did mention sports real quickly. Let me just mention that uh, there's everything from a pistol range uh, to uh, paintball and uh, archery and high ropes and a big swing. I mean, there's, there is something for everybody to do, uh, horseshoes, swimming. And there is uh, probably what you'd call almost like a triathlon event, but uh, we call it the men's roundup race. And it's really, it's, it's something for somebody that wants to show that they're really fit and able to do it, but most of us are just happy to watch it. How about you personally, Mike? What will you be competing in or participating in? <laughs> well, as, as the registration chair, you're pretty busy most of the time, first part of the weekend. But I do try to get up to the pistol range, and uh, I've been up in the archery and uh, like the ro high ropes up uh, to do those kinds of things. Oh, and I didn't mention there is a, a, literally a championship disc golf course, and there will be men playing disc golf uh, throughout the weekend, I'm sure, because uh, there always are. And men's roundup isn't just for men. Uh, any high school age youth that would come with their father, if they're under 18, uh, they have to be with, with a man. They have to be with a father or an, an, another a uh, responsible adult that would be with them, but but it is for uh, those those next generation men that are coming up because it's a great event for them to connect with the men's group and learn more about uh, Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and uh, what that means. Men's Roundup returns to Camp Tadmore in Lebanon, Oregon from September 9th through the 11th with more details at the website mensroundup.com. More with our very special guest, Mike Fishnaller, next on The Georgine Rice Show. Georgine has the day off. I'm Mike Lee. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 
Thanks for joining us on the Georgine Rice Show. Georgine has the day off. My name is Mike Lee. And coming up Friday, September 9th through Sunday, September 11th, Men's Roundup returns to Camp Tadmore in Lebanon, Oregon. And Mike Fishnaller served as a past president of the event. And this year he serves as the registration chair. So, Mike, thanks for all you're doing to get men together, to grow in Christ. And tell us, what do men need most today, in your opinion? Mike, I think men need to get together with other men and uh, make those connections and not just to do things, uh, which we oftentimes do. And my men's group and my church just recently went to an axe-throwing uh, business and, and threw axes for a couple hours. Uh, but that doesn't help you grow in your faith. That just ha- gets you together. And But it does help you make connections, personal connections with other men in, in your group. And so I got to know Rick a little bit better, who's one of the people I actually serve on the security team with. And, and uh, we've made more connections since then, although we're not in a Bible study together. I'm sure that ultimately, you know, he's opened up to me about some of the things that I can pray for him about. And I've opened up to him about the same. And and uh, that'll continue to grow because uh, until we did that, I'd seen him a few times, but I hadn't ever really made a personal connection with him. And and that's what we need to do as men is is to make those personal connections. So if if you're going to church, which I hope you are, uh, then you know make a make a connection with the men's group in your church, and then beyond that, make a connection with one of the other Bible studies or smaller men's groups that get together that will help you grow both in your faith as well as in your service uh, in the church. Because let's face it, we all need to, we we need something to do that we feel good about and that we can do. And I guess that's where I wound up uh, after being president of Men's Roundup. I wound up uh, volunteering to come back up and continue to work on on things around the camp and the registration team was a, a natural fit. I started in the registration team before I, when I first became involved, uh, and uh, have enjoyed it ever since. And one of the fun things that happens with that is that you get to see men uh, as they check in. So you literally see everybody at one time or another that's going to be at camp. So all. Uh, 14, 1,500 of the men ultimately come through registration in one way or another and at one time or another because we're an information center as well as uh, the place you check in and get your your packet and uh, meal tickets and and, uh, find out where your group is camped and just virtually anything. But the fun part about that is uh, when, when I was president back in 2001, I had a tough call to make because... One of the other churches had come up and staked out in advance uh, an area that was really prime real estate. And we'd made uh, it known to everybody that uh, that couldn't be done until Thursday at noon. Uh, because we, you know, up to that point, people were doing, they'd come up over Labor Day weekend and they'd pick out really good spots. And it wasn't fair to those people, the, the men's groups, the other church groups that came up, that... Uh, they wouldn't get a chance, and they couldn't get there at that time, uh, that far in advance to to do that. So we we had those groups released uh, Thursday at noon. But well, in this case, I actually had to go down and pull the stakes up from for this one group and uh, and make the phone call to the 
the, the leader of that group, his name's Larry. And I told him, I said, Larry, I, I tell you what, I'm going to do. Uh, we've got an initial group of guys up here. They're going to stake it out. And then after they're done, I'm going to give you the best spot that's left. Um, but I, that's what I've got to do. And, uh, and he, he at, at first, he, he didn't like that. But at the same time, we've become fast friends. And the nice part about that is that Larry brings his son, and now his son's sons come up there with him also. And we see each other every year when we're up there because I'm at, I'm at registration. So no matter where he's camped, I'm always going to run into him and get a chance to you know, give him a hug and pray with him and, and things like that. Mike, it's wonderful that your friend not only returns to men's roundup events, but he makes it multi-generational, and he brings relatives, and hopefully they have great times, but also grow in the Lord together. So are there any other areas besides registration at times where men's roundup has any gaping needs that people might want to step up and assist in? Actually, the the, the sports group, uh, vir- virtually anything we do up there, whether it's uh, the the cooks, there's a great crew of people that do all the you know cooking up there and the food and things like that. And uh, if a person's got has been blessed with uh, the skill to do that, uh, they can volunteer for just almost anything. The sports uh, group all, is always looking for uh, additional people that would be able to uh, run an event and uh, you know help coach people on how to how to shoot the bow and arrow as an example or or uh, help monitor the paintball uh, facility and so forth uh, and the high ropes and you know there's all there's all kinds of things going on up there and uh, there's plenty of places to volunteer and become involved and what's the best way to contact you if someone has it on their heart that they want to help serve at men's roundup i would say actually the best way to do it would be uh, through the men's roundup website uh, or the, uh, there's an email of info at mensroundup.com. And if they've got a desire to become more involved or just, just have a question about, uh, you know, how do I get there? Uh, what do I need to bring? Uh, you name it. Uh, it's, it's a great way to get that information. And uh, the other thing that probably would be to go onto YouTube if, you, uh, if you're interested and see what past men's roundups look like because that will help you understand what you're going to get yourself into and what, how, how it's going to be able to bless you this year and your family if you bring your son or, uh, or cousin or nephew or brother or uh, you know, whoever you would bring, because each of those is going to make a difference. Mike Fishdollar serves as the registration chair of Men's Roundup, and this is far from your first event You've served as a president of the event in the past, Mike. So do you have any great stories or memories to share about Men's Roundup? Oh, I think uh, when we came up with the first Men's Roundup race, one of my good friends uh, from First Baptist Church in Eugene, just he, he tried to get me to get into this event. Um, and I, I was younger then, and so I actually probably could have done it without killing myself. But... Uh, because it's it's quite an event. I mean, you swim across the lake, you uh, draw, crawl through a mud pit, uh, you're shot at with paintball guns. I mean, uh, it's it's a it's a kind of a grueling uh, event, but it's it is great fun. Well, fortunately, I didn't do it. 
uh, and he wound up actually injuring himself, unfortunately. We don't have very many injuries, but he, he did injure himself, at which point I was really glad I didn't do it <laughs> because I could see myself um, being injured and taking a long time to heal, and uh, that's not fun. But uh, there, there are lots of... Uh, pr- probably the biggest thing that we see is uh, men who, who come up... Uh, aren't really connected to their group as much and are dealing with something internally and, and uh, on their own at, at the time, like going through a divorce or, uh, or an illness uh, that they have or somebody in the family that they're really close to has. And, uh, and, and seeing, you know, when the, when the speaker's giving the message and at the end of the message there's always uh, men up uh, front to pray with them, chaplains, if you will, to, to pray with the men and, and also other men in their work, in their group that would come together with them. And to see that, that um, shell being opened up, so to speak, so that, so that they seek the help that they know they need. When you see that, uh, it can literally bring tears to your eyes. Well, that's wonderful, Mike. This really seems like a wonderful men's event coming to Lebanon, Oregon's Camp Tadmore, September 9th through the 11th. All the details online at mensroundup.com, and I'll link that up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. So thank you so much again, Mike Fishnaller, Tadmore, and all of the crew at Men's Roundup. Filling in for Georgine Rice, I'm Mike Lee, and thank you so much for joining us on The Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at GRice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.